And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Mythbits. We are your hosts, Jenna and Joe Sparks, and this is episode 120. Welcome. The World of Myth Bitch. Welcome to the World of Mythbits podcast. We are back to our regular schedule now. Um, hopefully, no more absences, uh, at least in the foreseeable future. Um, and as for housekeeping, we have something planned to do like a major catch up on everything because like as it stands right now, there's there's housekeeping but there's so much housekeeping that it's just impossible to kind of summarize uh, once a week. So uh, hopefully our next episode or the episode after that will just be this like huge compilation of everything that is set to happen in the JZO uh, network and the World of Myth network. Everything we can uh, look forward to and and see what's going on. But for now... Um, again, we are just kind of jumping back into our regular schedule. Excellent. So, Queen's Gambit, what do you think? Queen's Gambit? Um, I'm on my second second watch now uh, because I found it to be that magnificent. So, we, because you and I watched it and now I'm making uh, my mom watch it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's it's an amazing, amazing piece of work right there it's amazing it's an amazing achievement of i think you had said that this show was about chess right is that mm -hmm. what you said okay yeah because if you look i i don't know much about chess um and the the show really kind of holds and i don't i haven't read the origin book the the, the i don't know um because again i if i saw it in a bookstore and i saw it was a book about chess i would honestly just not even think twice about it which goes to show how ignorant I am <laughs> in that uh it's about chess but it's it's not just about chess um anyway but the 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 story is told apparently to be synonymous with the actual play of the queen's gambit um, it's also been recognized as being kind of an analogy for Alice in Wonderland, which is also very much a synonym for a chess game. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, I can imagine it's life is like chess, right? Because if you have her from the story of her starting out as a pawn and then becoming the queen, but the show entails her entire life from going from childhood to adulthood to her relationships and how they affected her playing style and her style entirely, you know. Um, and it was definitely beautifully written back in the 1960s. Well, it took place back in the 1960s. I think mm -hmm. the book came out in the 80s, didn't it? Yeah. Okay. So 
this depiction of life as a whole, right? So you have a young girl who transitions into a woman through this one desire and this one focus of wanting to be the best at chess. And her main competitor was the um, the Russian. Borgov. Borgov, right? So she has a main competitor and she has a goal. Once she completes this main goal, this end goal, right? She beats the Russian. Now she can she can rest, right? That was the whole entire premise of the ending is I gotta beat that guy. But then what? And they ended this show very beautifully, I think. They did. I think, well, the episode I just finished last night with, with my mom for the second time um, was the one where uh, Beth Harmon, our lead character, is uh, playing in Las Vegas. She's playing a tournament in Las Vegas. Or no, I'm sorry, uh, Mexico City. And, or was it Las Vegas? No, Mexico City. I'm getting all sorts of confused here. Uh, and she's in, uh, she's playing against this young boy who his entire, he, he, he admits he's been playing since he was four. Um, he's been trained and he said he wants to be the world champion by the time he is 16 years old. And Beth asks him, and then what? And this poor 13-year-old kid is just thrown into this existential crisis. He's like, well, I, I, don't understand the, I don't understand the question. She can't really, you know, elaborate because she, she doesn't know either. You know, she has, like you said, this, this ultimate goal of beating uh, the Russian player Borgov and becoming the world champion herself. But then what? You know, because her, her entire existence is not necessarily just chess but it's it's definitely the most important thing to her and we see that from the time she starts playing how um, impactful the game is for her and it's 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 all consuming you know pretty much every line out of her mouth within the first couple episodes is something to do with chess and it's kind of funny because it's it's just it's all she wants to talk about and she she doesn't understand she can't fathom other people when they they don't comprehend how important chess is to her you watch her try to have conversations with other people and she just wants to talk about chess. And I get that. I think we all can relate to that, you know? Like, well, I think that's what the beauty is of this story. It can be construed in many different ways, as though you read that it is indeed about chess. But the show is about chess, but also it can be about the pursuit of your passion, right? Mm -hmm. It could be a passion project and, and how she develops and how great she is because of these hours and time and everything she does. You know, little, little, little party snacks on the side there, you know, to kind of help her focus and what she obviously. But what's funny is her, her, uh, vices, so to speak, her, mm -hmm. her issues, um, you know, as, as we're told in the very beginning of the story is she's two sides of the same coin, just not sure what yet. And we, we learn. It's funny because. Mm -hmm. What would you consider a vice? Well, I'm just using a kinder word, her addictive issues of being uh, 
hooked on tranks and alcohol are all there in the the name of chess because she thinks that's what she uh betters her at playing she relies on the tranks to be able to play chess in her head when she can't access a board or uh relies on alcohol just to kind of uh maybe make her a little bit I'm not sure if she wants to be a little bit more relaxed or a little bit more on edge. But uh, either way, uh, her her use of uh, drug and alcohol are, you know, in search of this, this greater comprehension of the game of chess, which I think is interesting. In the same manner, speaking, people will use other substances to understand a grand, larger picture of life, right? So she's using these substances to enhance her ability at chess. No. People will use these substances in a manner to try to enhance their life, right? No. Life is like chess. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to bring that up because we had just finished that show, and I felt that it is uh it needs viewership it's an excellent story it is you know, it's, i definitely uh recommend that one yeah it, it was i mean just on a on a level of um how somebody can make a story about chess so entertaining and so beautiful while maintaining the uh understanding of the rigorousness of striving to become a grandmaster chess player while also being a woman, a young girl in the 1960s, uh, striving to make it in a very male dominated uh, field. You know, it just, it, it's, I don't know, the artistry behind it, the composition behind it, it it's really great. And yeah, we're a little late to the party and getting to watch it. Anya <laughs> Taylor-Joy did win uh, Best Actress for a drama, a uh, dramatic miniseries something for the Golden Globes. Oh, nice. Uh, so I think she won. She is, I think, going to be... She. I remember seeing her for the first time back uh, many, many years ago. Uh, when Eli Roth did Hemlock Grove, and I remember seeing her for the first time, and she was little itty bitty. <laughs> Sorry, her dope. So yeah, you should definitely check out that show on Netflix, The Queen's Gambit. Speaking of recommendations, I read a book recently that is something very special. I feel so. I read a book recently that speculated on something very interesting or concerning happening throughout our society today with the introduction of iGen, also known as Gen Z, into colleges and soon into the workforce. Certain ways they behave is different than the generation before. As would be expected, as we are different than the generation before us, but something is off. This work is dedicated to that of the speculative insight of how they have been, well, coddled. Parents normally have the best intentions for their children, yet something happened along the way. Helicopter parenting has come into existence, but where did it come from? For instance, it is suggested by doctors that babies are given small dosages or amounts of <laughs> dosages, 
dosages of nuts. It's to create immunity naturally. Yet when a news report comes out about the dangers of eating peanuts and helicopter parenting comes into action, they abstain their children from eating peanuts, complicating the issue further and making it deadly. Yet who could blame them if protecting your child gives them the best advantage in life? For instance, the tragic kidnapping and death of Adam Walsh rocked the nation. Now children are under the watchful eye of the parent nearly 24 hours a day. When news channels were up and running on 24-hour stations, fear was spread across the nation. 24 hours a day. Which is speculated to further enhance anxiety and depression amongst Gen Z and millennials. Exponentially. Though that issue is complex also. You cannot point to one factor and rule, that's it, and be done with it. Which is why this book covers so many, many topics, and why I consider it to be speculative, as it is a very complex issue. But we need to be aware of possible factors. Gone are the days of riding your bike down to local market by yourself for soda and chips. Remember when you would go out and find random neighborhood kids to play with? Sort of. Gone. <laughs> With electronic devices ruling these rites of passages, it has created a fearful generation, scared to be by themselves for stranger danger, circumstances, jumping into social media where psychological damage awaits. Though those are new reports. With documentaries popping up about the dangers, by the creators themselves admitting so to creating these apps. The fun app has become something else. This book is not designed to shame or attack, but to inform from a different perspective, which is what we really need, different perspectives. I am sure that's been thrown around a couple times. Uh, and that is what some college students have decided not to allow, such as with the case of Brett Weinstein from Evergreen College. It was atrocious the way he was treated over an email. It was not to harm a group or to become a racist remark. It was a retort on an idea that seemed to just set us back, almost as it was an eye for an eye tactic they used, calling him a racist and demanding his resignation from the college for an email they deemed racist. Even defending such a sentiment could be could even put a person on the racist list. Creating a good versus evil mentality. Us versus them. The tribal mentality. Tribalism is an outdated way of life. Scared of the other tribes, kingdoms, countries? From taking what they have, people banded together and cast out those who challenged their survival. Keeping those out that would not contribute to the advancement of what they would have, or what they would have most of. Eventually, outgrowing the capacity to sustain this, knowing they would have to search outward for more resources to feed everyone. Such as, there was once a community ruled under a monarch that had decided it had enough of their fair share of effort taken away. The colonies gathered together and overthrew this government with the intent to better the lives of all mankind. Though, 
as this dream would have come to prove, it is a road that has many pitfalls. When tribalism is eased off of the table, globalization is now a new adventure. With jobs being exported all around the world, everyone must be at their peak. There will always be someone better, smarter, or whatever than you. But now with an overpopulated planet, that competitive pool has now opened wide. Really wide. Globally wide. Which contributes to the stress of daily life on the parents and children alike. You never needed those 11 extracurricular activities to get to the, into that college you wanted until the person next to you had 12. The Coddling of the American Mind written by Greg Lukanoff and Jonathan Haidt. So I highly recommend this book on there. Um, it was definitely, I found it informational uh, myself. Um, give that a check. Um, so... What do you think microaggressions are? Exactly what it sounds like. Uh, tiny, tiny little uh, specks. Passive aggression. That make their way into normal conversation. And I think uh, something everybody's experienced in some way or another. Yeah, microaggressions are... Uh, well, so I think something I left out over that little uh, transcript that I was reading is that I write all, all the thoughts down and then erase and then reread and then rewrite and then re-re-re-read, reread, you know, erase, you know, how that goes. It's oh, like. it's uh, the common problem I find, like, now that I'm doing the, the movie reviews is before I edit them down, they're, I mean, over 3,000 words. <laughs> Because it's so hard to to just like condense so many ideas, so I get what you're saying. Right, right. One of the things that uh, I th maybe I did include in there was about the rising anxiety and depression levels, you know, through um, uh, the different generations, and it peaked at like 1991, I believe, in the book, and it peaked at 1991, and then kind of dropped off, and then once. The social media comes into play and arisen, right, because of these terms he uses, like the fear of missing out and FOMO. Yeah, and the fear of being left out, and it affects um, women's brains differently than men's brains, you know? Because what is such a powerful tool? You could use to, to see the world in somebody else's eyes. Uh, through the phone anyways, um, through the phone's eye, and then immediately pull it up, and you can see where they're at and what they're doing and whatnot. But it disconnects the social thing about asking the person what it's like. And it's kind of the same thing, and I'm sure we do it subconsciously now, is when somebody speaks of something immediately, you pull the phone out to define what it is instead of just asking about what it is. Right? The factual, the facts, the factual climate we're in, like everything has to be a factional relations. There's no theory anymore that you can't push out. You know, we're in a fact-based society because we have the, everything in our pocket right there. You know, 
and and that's some would speculate it's actually hurting us in a lot of ways than actually helping us because now we're so antisocial or whatnot that we can't communicate with one another without having to up one another I, on the issue. I don't necessarily um, agree with that, and um, I I agree with the fact that yeah we are. Um, I I know I prefer to comprehend facts over theories. Facts are overall infallible until they're otherwise proven different. Uh, <laughs> and you you can't argue facts, and I don't really like to argue. But I think where that loss of theorizing, because I think we theorize all the time. Um, and I think theory, the, the, the magic of theory is still out there. It's just everybody, and especially with the dawn of social media, the dawn of of the almighty Google and, and uh, you know, uh, resources, infinite resources, everybody has this opportunity to become, in their mind, an expert in a subject. So that's where that theory kind of, those theories fall flat. Like right now we're theorizing, you know, this is all a theory. But when, when somebody thinks that, well, I've, I've read a couple articles on this subject, so, you know, I can spit facts as opposed to, uh, you know, th- theorizing over the conversation, you know, and, and trying to comprehend it deeper. Or, you know, we're just struggling as a society to uh, comprehend how to uh, enhance facts with theories, which I think that's how you and I communicate a lot is, you know, you give us a cold hard fact and then we kind of build off of it, uh, you know, with a whole lot of I thinks, <laughs> you know, mm. that makes sense. Right. So, um, yeah, like I, I agree, but I disagree with with the concept of trying to up each other. I just think that we have kind of nullified the room of uh questioning you know and that's not fair on ourselves you know i think always question but like i said i also like facts (laughs) you know but um there are some who would base their existence on what they can provide through evidence or whether or not they're going to be um uh, interesting or not due to what they can provide factually or informationally you know say you want to sound interesting and then you would spit these factual evidence bases out but then people will fact check you right? mm-hmm. and they'll pull the phone out and fact check you make sure you're not you know slipping the one <laughs> but um but that's also where you know we need to be mindful of just because somebody maybe uh put something out there you know, uh, we're all entitled to be wrong. We're all entitled to that. Like, there's a, uh, it's gonna happen. Um, and I, I tell the teenager, like, this is, I mean, to kind of take the, the concept of what you just, uh, proposed and put it on a, on a smaller scale. It's, I think, like, the minute you, the minute you kind of, uh, stop caring uh about sounding any way 
you become so much freer. And I learned that, unfortunately, the hard way uh, in school. I was not a great student. I just, I wasn't. Um, And a lot of it came from being shy. I didn't really want to ask. I didn't want to ask for help. I just wanted to get through the day. I had other stuff to do. Um, Then uh, I uh, got cancer, dropped out of school, and... Once I was clean and in remission, I went back to school. So I was older. I was 19 years old when I went back to finish high school. And um, it just, it was that small percentage of time that I had uh, been off of school. Because it was a little under a year-ish for like eight, nine months. Anyway, when I went back, I was a little bit older, a little bit more wizened. And I just, I don't know, like my perspective changed and I didn't have any qualms with asking. I did not care how stupid I sounded. If I had a question, if it was, you know, however, however uh, a little or however, again, like how, how dumb I sounded, I just, I asked. Because I think most people are going to be more than willing to talk to you if you're because who who likes to talk to somebody where it's like they try to you know uh pretend you know like it just it's annoying and I know we've all talked to people like that where it's like oh you know what uh I read this one book and the person across from me goes yeah yeah me too you know I, I love that book or I, I I read the great Gatsby too and they never even read it like you know, so it's like, just who cares? You know, there's so many like silly, goofy things about like insecurities. And I know this is kind of going off of topic, but like just insecurities and how we think and operate that just make no sense. Yeah, I, I can agree. You know, it's it's interesting, though. If you go back to the book about Gen Z, like a lot of the things that are shown or not shown, um, a lot of things that are said in the book, you can actually pick apart in members of Gen Z that you know, right? <laughs> Such as the scared to be by themselves, right? Because of the coddled effect. Um, and then something also very dangerous, or I wouldn't say dangerous, possibly concerning, is when you... It might get, this might get a little personal for everybody listening. The kids like when you escape into a fantasy world, whether or not it be fiction or video games. Let's use video games because of the resident here. How odd it is that when you become addicted to video games, it's because it's this risk versus reward shot that you get. It's like almost as though you're achieving this thing in this game achieving this thing right that nobody else is doing right now except for you you are achieving Mm -hmm. and you are commanding this world around you and you decide how this is gonna go you know i thought how interesting that is that that could also psychologically have an effect on you against the reward system such as when they have a character that goes around and slings a bow 
and immediately that character is good with the bow. And in reality, it definitely takes hours and time of practice to shoot a bow. Or when they are um, throwing the sword around, right? And they have experience levels, and then within 40 hours of a game, within 40 hours you can become, or I guess you can complete the game within 40 hours sometimes, Depending on the game. You know, or <laughs> you become like such a high level person after 40 hours, you know, which in retrospect, in reality, would take a lifetime to to accomplish. Well, yeah, and I mean, you can even compare that with movies, TV, books and stuff where it's uh, montages, uh, you know, to, to cool music and whatnot or, uh, you know, in a story where you can just uh, kind of skip ahead. Um as opposed to, you know, the realities, like you said, of, of training and whatnot. Like, it's it's not an overnight thing. And on that same note, it's kind of funny because and I relate to this a whole lot because, unfortunately, I think we both kind of grew up under that concept of fantastical escapism. Um, but it's kind of funny because um, when I was, in particular, like a teenager... And I don't know if there are many people who, who thought like this, um, but I know it was always um, when I'm dot, dot, dot. So for me, it was, let's do a very typical one that I think a lot of people relate to. When I'm skinny, dot, 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 my life will be better. Uh, when I am no longer in this horrible town, dot, 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 my life will be better. When I graduate high school, when I uh, have more friends, when I have longer hair, when I have shorter hair, when I know how to do makeup, when I know how to uh, uh, flirt, or when I know how to do this, that, the other thing, um, you set yourself up for this point in time where you've already accomplished the knowledge of how to exist. And... I think it really says a lot because even millennials, I remember being a kid and I couldn't fathom how to be an adult. You know, like I think a lot of us, you know, we looked up at our parents and we we're just like, how have you guys managed to do this? How do we have a house? Um, how do we uh, uh, how do we have food on the table? You know, and this is obviously coming from a place of of privilege if you've had a house or you know if you knew where your next meal was coming from etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's wild because now we're adults and we're adult millennials and for us to be able to afford a house especially in california how fun to figure that out um and it's going to be worse for the next generation um because they talking to like uh our resident teenager I realize so much of, of those, so many of those concepts have, have really kind of uh, really flourished in uh, him too, where it's, it's that, again, the achievements having been achieved already when I'm a, when I'm so-and-so, when I'm dot, 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 or uh, when I have dot, 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 as opposed to the actual work it takes to get there. So I tried to tell him, like, 
You're not going to wake up one day and that's going to be figured out. You're not going to wake up one day and you're not going to wake up one day and be really strong. You know, you're not going to wake up one day and uh, you're just going to feel motivated. You know what I mean? Like you have to strive to do that. So if you want to build muscle, it's not going to just happen because you want it to happen. You have to actively do it. And I think that's a really long-winded way of repeating what you just said in that achievement-based desire. Because in a video game, when it's a montage, when it's just it happens because you've spent, you know, an hour or two building XP, easy peasy, right? Or again, in the movies or, or TV shows, when it's a montage, you know, three-minute montage to a really cool song or what have you. Absolutely. Again, think, in a really long-winded yeah, way. That's <laughs> when we're, we're really attacked for the instant gratification. Mm-hmm. You know? um, which I can understand because we're a, in our generation, we had um, actually used rotary phones. Mm-hmm. And then now we have an entire library in our pocket now. You mm-hmm. know, and We can see the transition as it happened. Because where the I generation has fully immersed themselves, they did not know a time without these devices. Mm-hmm. You know, so they don't know a time without the devices, and this has always been the way. So how could you manipulate your own perspective if this has always been the way? You know, one day it won't be, one day it won't be. But he, or they rather, they um, find that this should be concerning for us entirely as millennials because this next generation is going to be leading the way for us right as though that's not a generational problem either way you're going to look at each generation as an issue in the differences like oh my gosh these guys are gonna take over we're you know they're gonna have to work and need my social security which we're not gonna get any right so i mean that's that's pretty much out the window but what cracks me up, and this is just something I, I always find really funny, and it's, you know, the, the generation before us and now the generation after us. Like, you always hear so many people, like, just sit there and, and really mock millennials, in particular older generations mocking millennials. And it cracks me up because it's like, you're the one who raised us. Like, Anything you find flawed about millennials is you're doing. Same thing with uh, iGen. Like, all of the flaws we find, we're the ones who raise them. You know, like, we have to take responsibility for where we may, may have failed them. I know the teenager, we, I, I periodically will play around when I'm bored and I'll do typing tests and see how many words per minute and I'm a little rusty so I was doing like 90 95 uh, words per minute and so this 15 almost 16 year old sits down at the computer pull up the the WPM test and he goes to town 25 words per minute wow and I'm just like kid <laughs> expecting you to whip out like 120 something like that granted Texting might be a totally different thing. I am a slow texter. I am not a two-thumb texter. Uh, he is. So he can probably do, it'd probably be way reverse, like 95 words per minute texting for him. And I'd probably be uh, 25 maybe. <laughs> but the point is, like, 
Uh, and, and when we sit there, oh, well, they need to teach cursive in schools. Um, no, I could have shown the teenager how to write in cursive. Like, that's on me if he doesn't know how to read or write cursive. You know what I mean? Like, That's also a subject in the book, though, is also that there are a lot of pressures being put on the parents because the differences between what was needed to actually get into first grade Versus 1970 versus now. It's wild. The kids need to know how to graph. Probably do a little algebra. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? <laughs> so now it's a lot different because yeah. now the standards are higher. So now you're going to have all these kids trying to go and achieve this thing that is going to be very minimal as we see right now. Because you have people with master's degrees right now slinging burgers. And that's not just because of COVID. That was happening before, mm-hmm. man, because the jobs are in existence of these degrees. And some of these degrees don't even have paths anyways. The worst is when the degrees do have paths. and uh, Or you have the fake colleges that yeah. charge or whatever those are. They, they charge you and your degree means nothing. Mm-hmm. You, know? you got that problem. So it's like there's this whole complex problem within these systems. And... I'm definitely down for people who want to educate themselves, you know, formally or informally. Well, yeah, and I mean, again, what we said, it's a whole world inside of our pockets. You know, the information is is out there. It's infinite. Um, So, yeah, you you can teach yourself anything. Right. Right. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, you could teach yourself anything, but it's not to say people will let you do it without it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, the biggest takeaway from this book was that your thoughts are going to help you in the largest way. Nobody can help you. Nobody can help you as much as your own path of thinking is going to help you. Yeah. You can find us at theworldofmyth.com or on Facebook and the Twitter at the World of Myth Bits Podcast and the World of Myth Magazine. Also on Instagram at the World of Myth Bits. Thanks for listening. Until next time. The world of myth bitch. The coddling of the American mind.